Uh, it's time for another RB coaching podcast. So it's currently the 28th of December. So Christmas has been and gone, but I just want to start by wishing all the listeners and members of RB uh, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Obviously, fingers crossed, it's a, a slightly better year on the COVID front. Um, obviously, I'm not doing the podcast alone. Got Ryan, the main man here. Ryan, how you doing? Merry Christmas. Hi, Kieran. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all our members, non-members um, and listeners to the podcast. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yes, yes. Obviously, a little bit different this year with all the restrictions. But uh, yeah, nice, quiet, relaxing time. You know, it's good to spend time with my boys. Um, and yeah, looking forward to cracking on with a bit of coaching. I've had six days off and we're back. We're back tomorrow. I was going to say a couple of uh, well-needed days off, but um, brilliant. Well, obviously, let, let's kick things off. So um, we'll go We'll go straight into it with talking about the previous module. So I'm right in saying it was running with the ball module, wasn't it? Yeah, we've had, we've had kind of two modules this month because obviously the November lockdown, um, it was our defending module and um, we've had to kind of catch up on that. So we did an amazing day camp over in Colza, which you were part of, Kieran. Um, a huge shout out to the players. I thought they were absolutely sensational. We've got another defending day catch up on Wednesday and then a couple of the following Monday. Um, but yes, yeah, so we've kind of crossed over two modules. But yeah, we most of December we had three technical lessons on on running with the ball which which for me is one of my favorite modules the kids absolutely love it um it gives them so many situations and scenarios to practice running with the ball um based on where the pressure is going to come in from whether it's in front of the side or behind but yeah a, a thoroughly enjoyable module yeah no I, I enjoyed being part of it I think it's always one of those ones which, when it comes back around, I forget how good of a module it actually is and how many things there are to learn about. You know, it might sound quite simple of simply running with the football, but there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah, I think, you know, I think you just nailed it. Running with the football uh, can be like, well, what can you teach for a whole month running with the football? But obviously the way we teach RB is in huge detail. So we've, we've gone into depth on how to run with the football and how to link the play when running with the football, how to how to beat an opponent when running with the football, how to run with the ball when the defender's to the side and the options that we have based on the distance and the speed of the recovering defender. We've looked at running with the ball when someone's chasing you and the options that you, that can bring you. So again, you know, with all our modules, we leave no stone in turns. You know, the players walk away with um, a huge skill library based on based on the content. Yeah. I think looking back at it, I think one of my favourite elements of it is definitely the, uh, the stab pass that, that is involved with the running with the ball. Yeah, the, you know, I always say it's the best pass in football. If you, you know, you watch a game of football and watch players that play off the front foot as they travel with the ball. They they excite me. They they liven up the game. You know, there's too many players these days at the top level that play off their back foot too much. Um, it's very readable, very conservative. But players that drive and link play off their front foot allow a change in the game speed and they also allow options for them to collect the ball to the side of the defender, you know, via a wall pass. Um, but it's also unpredictable as well. When you play off the front foot, your body's squared up with the defender's squared body shape and the defender never knows when that pass is going to arrive to the, the opponent. But if you shape your body like you're playing off the inside your foot, the defender can read that a little bit easier. So stab pass, yeah, one of, one of my favourite parts of the module. Probably one of my favourite 
sessions in the whole syllabus really mm. it is such a, such a small detail but like you said it's really really important just that opening of the foot can help a defender read the situation whereas if with the outside of the foot they, they won't be able to tell will they I think obviously because it's fresh in the mind having just watched the uh, the Villa Chelsea game I think Grealish has got to be up there at the moment as one of the best players that travels with the ball really well yeah people might, might call it dribbling I, I don't, Jack Grealish he does dribble very well obviously dribbles with tight tight connections, tight touches. But when it does open up for me, he's very, very good at travelling with the ball. You know, he's got a fantastic um, rhythm. Um, he's got fantastic technique and he's one of them that does play off the front foot, you know, very effectively. I think I'd, I'd always encourage players, young players especially, if you see grass in front of you or to the side of you, if you travel with the ball in that direction fast, you start bringing defenders out to you and that helps you then link play around them or helps you you know helps you quicken up the game through a wall pass or or bring about fouls like Grealish does really well but you know I think sometimes our players are too conditioned to pass 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 when actually there's there's five six seven eight yards of grass in front of you go and commit players and then you start making defenders feel uncomfortable I'm, I'm thinking about it from my position as a centre midfielder I used to hate when centre-backs used to step into midfield and travel the ball quickly. You didn't know whether to go or drop and it caused you all sorts of problems. I think that I think that's actually a really interesting point. Just, just going to sort of sort of my view on it, when I've played, a lot of the football I've played has been, like you said, central midfield uh, as well as sort of on the wing. And a lot of the managers I've played under, they've actually said that there's so much value in getting your team up the pitch 10, 15 yards and travelling with the ball. Sometimes that is that is a massive skill that is needed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, again, you're trying to make defenders uncomfortable and bringing them out their shape and running with the ball and travelling directly with the ball, whether it's lateral or horizontal. You know, you open up passing lanes and you open up opportunities, you know, to attack. So, yeah, you know, the players have learned a lot this month. My, my challenge to them is, can you then go and replicate the techniques into a match situation? And really feel comfortable travelling with the ball because it's not, it's not hogging the ball. It's not staying on the ball for no reason. You are opening up opportunities for for you and your teammates by by travelling travelling with it. Yeah, well, definitely. There, there was there was a lot of things there for them to uh, to learn and then and then go and practice. Hopefully, in in game type situations, but. Obviously, you touched on it a little bit earlier with the um, defending camp. So, obviously, we did one over at Cozil, um, and we've got one on the thirtieth. Yeah, we've got one on the thirtieth in in Brighton, which is you know is accessible to kind of uh, more more our Warwickshire based members. Um, and then we've got one over in Warwick and one over in Rugby on the fourth of January. Um, so, hopefully, you know we've we've, we've put on a loads of catch-up opportunities for players you know not to have missed out on the defending module because it's such a it's such a great module but also you know very valued module um and players absolutely love it yeah. absolutely love it because there's lots of attacking opportunities within the within the day as well but yeah it was a fantastic day over in Coles so I, I hope I hope uh, Wednesday is uh, something similar yeah no I think just looking in a little bit more detail into it there was there was really good um defended principles that, that we worked on wasn't there so there was um, like one v one situations, there was defending as a pair. There was game specific situations. There were there was lots of things to go through. Yeah, I think that people think you know defending is all about mentality. It's, it is, it is, but there's a lot of techniques involved. So 
Um, we looked at 1v1 defending. We looked at um, how to defend as a pair, not, not, not allow players to play through. And we looked at cover, balance, protection. Um, moving on to other sessions that we did that day, it was, re- was recognising as small units when to go and press high and when to go and defend deep. So that kind of high press, low block. And then we also added in like a, a match scenario where we wanted the players to understand about game management when defending. So we set them up with a situation where they had to hang on to a lead and how, how, the, how, they, how they tactically defend that lead. So think even things going into small details like time wasting, you know, um, kicking the ball away, all these little things that we, we I feel that the players kind of sometimes need to learn, especially as they go into kind of open age football. Um, so yeah, we, we you know as always we, we we've covered so many different principles in in kind of one day, and the players the feedback we've had is you know, it's been absolutely amazing. So um, yeah, we've got two more days of that, and I'm really looking forward to delivering the defending module. Um, again, but first tomorrow we've got our two v two internal day, which is one of the best um, best sessions of the year. One of my favourites. Before we go on to the two v two, I just want to I just want to bring up this quote. So I've been doing the I've been finishing the defending um, blog post for RB. Um, I came across a quote from Maldini that he said, "If I have to make a tackle, then I've already made a mistake." I think that fits in really well to to what you've been trying to teach the the boys and girls at RB. It's a very powerful quote. I'm not a massive fan of slide tackling. Um, Slide tackling for me is something that you must do as a last resort. So you're you're blocking you're blocking a shot or blocking a a dangerous cross. But um, the quote's quite powerful because it's what it's saying is you know defending's based on positioning, Mm -hmm. you know um, pitch geography and if players have that understanding of where to be at the right time, they won't have to work so hard to win the ball back, if that makes sense. You know, you watch someone like um, Maldini and Rio Fernand was a great example. And I never never really saw Rio Fernand go to ground. He was always kind of stood up, assessing the danger, intercepting, blocking without really having to, to work too hard for it. I think a lot, of, a lot of the way he defended was in his brain, you know, and, you know, Again, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to encourage the players at RB Coaching to really think about their defending, whether it's body shape or positioning based on based on certain pictures. I think if that yeah, makes sense. It does definitely make sense because it is it is a very common misconception. I think that a lot of people will just see defending as slide tackling, you know, getting rid of the ball, all that sort of stuff. But but like that quote says, that there's so much more to it that, that can be done before you even have to make a tackle or even go to ground and all of that has been covered in the defending module so far, which, which you know, even for me, I'm, I'm learning new things. So it's brilliant for the boys and girls to see, um, you know, the positioning and, and the body shape and all that sort of stuff. So it, it is a really good module to be doing. But um, obviously you touched on it briefly as well um, with the 2v2. So tomorrow we've got 2v2 tournament, haven't we? Yeah, every year um, in December, we kind of fill that gap between Christmas and New Year with, um, loads of 2v2 matches and so we welcome everyone from all our centres and they come to one place um, it's a bit different this year because um, sometimes we've done like a bring a friend 2v2 and, and we've always had a staff versus parents game afterwards but with the, with the new Covid rules you know the venue has said there's no spectators allowed so um, even so we've you know we've got potentially 70, 70 players attending um, tomorrow's session 
Um, so they'll be they'll be in pairs, and they'll be um, allocated a pitch, probably about four four teams per pitch, and they'll play like a round robin, and there'll be promotion and relegation. So players will eventually find their kind of level within the arena. Um, and yeah, the, the countless benefits of two v two, um, you know, loads of t- loads of decisions, loads of touches, lots of movement. Lots of transitions, lots of scoring opportunities, lots of defend opportunities. It will really, really highlight um, which players, are, you know, are technically capable and technically outstanding in tight spaces as well. So it's, it's a great, it's a great um, tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a fantastic footballing day. And remember the last couple of years that we've done it, we've seen some outstanding football and outstanding talent. You know, all our, all the players that we work with are, are very, very good footballers anyway. But tomorrow, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, seeing the players in more of a matched environment and and seeing, seeing not only their technical skills but their their mentality and how 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 they maybe attack disappointment because with two v two, as you know, Kieran, there's going to be lots and lots of goals, probably lots of goals conceded. So it's how players react to that. So yeah, tomorrow is a great learning day for the players, but also in a fun, energetic, um, free environment, and we're going to have the music blasting. It's going to be lots of fun. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. It sounds good. I don't think I've been to one of the 2v2 events before, but I just think it's another great opportunity for for all the players to sort of show what they have learned, um, you know, prove sort of how, how technically good they are, you know, how far they've come and stuff like that. So it'll be excellent from that point of view. But just touching on from, from like a coach's point of view as well, I bet it excites you being able to have the, the two hours knowing you're going to be able to sort of take a back step from coaching and just be able to watch and see, you know, how far the players have come under your coaching. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think so. I'm, 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 there is no coaching tomorrow. It's, it's about the players, you know, and it's about the players making their own decisions um, in the 2v2 environment. But it, yeah, it's, it's always nice to watch progress. And, you know, the, mag- the magic of our programme especially the players that have been with us, I'd say, two, three seasons, the way they've embedded our philosophy and our techniques, it's really exciting watching players make that kind of RB coaching transition, you know, because on on their first season, all the techniques are new to them and they think, oh, you know, it's very very different. Um, They're adapting, they're getting used to our methods, our programme. And then it's always on the second year where you think, well, these players, you know, really listened on their first season and now they're taking that technique to a brand new level. And they build on that year after year. We've got some players in our programme now that are entering their fifth season, you know, and it's no shock that those players are technically outstanding because they've allowed the programme to work its magic and they've really embedded our special techniques that we teach and our philosophy. And, and, and they're confident as well because, you know, Yes, we teach in great detail. You know, we're a very, very, um, we're the premier technical company, but we also allow the players to, you know, play with freedom and give them confidence because, you know, a player can have all the ability in the world, but if they're not confident, they won't use it. You know, so installing confidence as well as great technique is a, is a fantastic potion. Yeah. And tomorrow's obviously the perfect opportunity to showcase all of that. Um, have you got any 2v2 tips? Can you remember back to when you used to play two v two little uh, little games? Anything that you think that would would help the boys and girls tomorrow? A lot, a lot of it's based on movement. So, if I if I was playing the two v two with you, Kieran, mm-hmm. um, I would I, I I would doing lots of movement off the ball to create space. 
but not movement in straight lines. So if I pass to you, I'll maybe look at a diagonal run, which might free you up to go 1v1 yourself. Overlaps, underlaps work really well in 2v2. But from a, from a defensive point of view, it's really important to block the goal as quickly as you can on transition. So that's kind of two tips. One, attacking is movement off the ball. And secondly, is block the goal as quick as you can on transition because if a player gets his eyes up and sees an open goal, they're going to shoot from from anywhere because the pitches are very, very tiny. Um, so yeah, there's, there's my two key tips if players want to be successful tomorrow. Good. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing if if many are able to do it. But we, obviously, we made a few um, sort of notes before before we do the podcast, and uh, we're going to have a chat about obviously what, what's going on sort of in the Premier League and football around the world at the moment. So first first note we made is about um, Sam Allardyce. So big Sam. So he's back. West Brom. I'm sure there's probably a few West Brom fans at, um, around the RB centres. What's your thoughts on him being back, Ryan? Let's not forget that this guy was England manager. It is easy to forget that. He, he was picked. He was picked as an England manager. Let, let's get this right. He, he is an outstanding manager. He, he must be an outstanding manager. He's got a great CV. You know, um, he knows the game. Um, it seems to me the likes of him, Pulis, those types of managers, you know, get these jobs to keep teams in the league. And they're, spe- they're spe- you know, that. It's their speciality. So, Billich, I, I love Billich. I think West Brom actually played some really, really good stuff. Um, but West Brom made a decision. Allardyce is in, and I, and I personally think it's a, it's a great move for the club. It's not going to be pretty, you know. But the fans have got to accept where West Brom are. They're a yo-yo club that go up and down, up and down. You know, maybe bringing Sam in to stabilise the club for a couple of years and keep them in the league. It's, a, it's you know. It's, It'd be a fantastic signing. I think what are your thoughts? Uh, do you know what? It's hard. I think I'm all for free-flowing football. And, you know, as I've grown up, I've loved watching Barcelona when they're in their prime and that sort of football. But at the end of the day, it's a results-based business, isn't it? And like you said, like West Brom, they need results. And you've seen it already. It's worked within the space of... Obviously, they didn't get three points against Liverpool, but they've gone up against top of the table who have put, you know, seven past teams numerous times in the last few seasons. Um, and they've managed to come away with a 1-1 draw. And yes, it's not pretty. It's I think at the times they had a, a 6-4-0 formation against Liverpool, didn't they? Um, I, did see, I did see that picture, actually, on um, <laughs> on, on Twitter. The, the, the goalie, yeah. a back six, and then a four in front. And... You know, and they're saying to Liverpool, right, you've got to try and break us down. And, you know, is it anti-football? It's not anti-football. You know, there's loads of different ways to play football. If West Brom feel that's the best way to stop Liverpool, which it obviously was, then then, then so be it. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? I think in, in his in his mind, he, he's, he's realised that clearly they're, they're not the same quality players as the Liverpool team. So why try and out-football them? Why not set up a different way? And and like I said, it, it, it proved to work. Yes, it wasn't pretty, but it, it did prove to work and they came away with the point. You know, if, if West Brom, if Allardyce sets West Brom up to go and play a free-flowing football against Liverpool, that's not sensible, is it? Mm-hmm. That Liverpool would absolutely tear tear them apart. You know, so what, what, do the West, what do the West Brom fans want? Do they want to lose 6-5 or draw 1-1? It, you know, if I was a West Brom fan, I'd rather draw 1-1. Exactly. It would be interesting if there is any uh, West Brom fans 
at RB who do listen to the podcast to give us a bit of feedback. I think, I think we do have a few um, West Brom fans. It'd be interesting to know their views on uh, having Sam Allardyce back. But, well, obviously it's only been one game. I think they've got uh, the mighty Leeds, my team, tomorrow. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. That that could be an interesting game, actually, with um, the way that Leeds set up and, and, and try and break teams down. If, if there's 10 men behind the ball all the time, it's going to be tough for them. I think I think so. I think so. Um, I've always thought about this, Kieran. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are, what the listeners' thoughts are. You know, if you were Liverpool against West Brom and West Brom are defending so deep and they're not coming out and it's it's like a two banks of four, whatever, wherever it was, what, why, why wouldn't the attacking team for a moment in the game when they can't break through against this deep block, why wouldn't they ever just let West Brom have the ball? And Liverpool drop off, for example. So Liverpool can see possession. West Brom would come on to that. And then Liverpool would then have a more space to counterattack when they win the ball. I've never I've never understood it from that perspective. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I think I think it's I don't know how to explain it, but I think when you're on the pitch, it would be a completely different feeling to to just watching the game. I think if you ask those Liverpool players to watch the game back. They'll probably say exactly the same thing as you're saying. They'll say, well, why didn't we just let them have possession for five minutes or so? But when you're on the pitch, it's just an instinct to just want to get on the ball, to move it quickly, to do all the things that you've been told to do, isn't it? I don't know. It's just, um, I've never understood it. I've never understood it. You know, if I take a team on one day at, you know, adult level, it's something that I would always consider. You know, it's just it's just it's just me thinking outside the box a little bit, and I I, I just think it would open them up a little bit more. Yeah, no, I yeah, think that, I think that's interesting. I do quite like the sound of it. It would be interesting for a team to do that. Um, we'll, we'll have to see if anybody does it against uh, against West Brom. But we, we also made a note. So this is a new one for me, Ryan. We made a note about Ronaldo being named Player of the Century. So we must be talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, last night in in Dubai, he got he got named Player of right, the Century. Okay. I hadn't I'm seen not this. sure. I'm not sure what award it was, but I thought it, I thought it's you know it's worth a discussion, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Is would you have given him Player of the Century? So when we talk about century, we are we. I guess it was from two thousand, isn't it? Two thousand to two thousand twenty. It must have been. So there's only twenty years of that century. Yeah. So um, what happens? What happens to the players that come along the next eighty years? They just can't win that award. Hopefully, they're going to have it again. <laughs> I, I don't get it. To be um, honest, it would be a fantastic feat if somebody was it. Well, somebody in the next eighty years is able to replicate what Ronaldo's been able to do. I don't know, we've got a few RB coaching. <laughs> you, never know. you never know. Um, yeah, player of the century. Um, again, it's, it's, that, it's that whole Messi-Ronaldo debate, isn't it? Um, listen, they're, they're both fantastic footballers. Messi's a better footballer. Ronaldo's a better athlete who's had to work harder for his, for his success. Um that's all I can say really it's a toss up between the two of them isn't it yeah I think it gets to the point certainly for me now as I've grown up when I was younger I used to be oh messy always messy always messy but now I think you've just got to appreciate both of them for what they are they're both getting older they're both probably not going to be able to hit the levels that they were maybe two three years ago although they're trying to but we've just got to appreciate them for how good they've actually been don't forget with with like an award like this it's it's probably a new award Ronaldo's more marketable Mm. to win it you know, um, 
So I think, I think that probably played a little part in it as well. But again, they're both, you know, their numbers still at the, the age of 30, what, what's around 35, yeah. 34. You know, just, just incredible. It, it looks like Ronaldo isn't going to slow down either. No. Well, it's a, I, it's a... I, I still think he'll go to France. Yeah. PSG. I, I, I he, he'll, go and, he'll go and score loads of goals there. And, and then, then I think he'll end up in um, MLS potentially and probably break up all the scoring record there and carry on till he's about 50. You never know. We might have Messi and Ronaldo in the same team one day in the MLS. It, well, yeah, with, uh, into Miami with David Beckham. There we go. We've predicted the future, I think. That's the dream, Kieran. That, that is, is the dream. dream. Um, right. Last little topic then. Um, so we made notes about it as well. We, we, we spoke, well, we want to have a little chat about the, the heading in football situation because um, every day when I'm driving, I, I, I put the radio on and there always seems to be a debate going on um, on TalkSport about the situation with heading in football. Um, what what sort of, have you, have you been told much, obviously with your coaching at Coventry, with the RB coaching, is there guidance that's been sent out to you sort of fairly recently that's new? The, the guidance came out um, not too long ago, about um, children under the age of maybe 14 are not allowed to head the ball in training or head the ball repeatedly in training practices. Games are fine. Anyone can head the ball in the game, but coaches are not allowed to put on sessions um, for heading, you know, like repeated blows to the head, technique training. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's 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 some kind of rule that can state that you can you can train with a sponge ball to practice technique. But it, it just came to my attention because um, who, who was the Tottenham player that, that um, fractured his skull? Was it Ryan Mason? That's it, Ryan Mason. I saw an article and he, he said, interestingly, that he don't think heading will be around in 10 to 15 years. He thinks it's going to be banned from the game. And it's really interesting. I was, I was having a conversation with someone last week before this article came out. And I said, it might have been my dad actually, I spoke to my dad, I said, Heading will be banned between 10 and 15 years. And it's really strange this article then came out. <clears throat> and I was justifying it and saying, you know, obviously with the research into dementia and Alzheimer's and the research that's going on in football, um, it would be an easy FIFA decision just to say, you know what, okay, here's the, here's the research. Um, heading's not worth it, you know, and, and they'll, they'll take heading out of football, which would be the biggest rule change ever. I was going to say that. that in football. That's my, that's my thoughts on the, it. The, and, back, the back pass rule came in, didn't it? Remember yeah. the back pass rule where goalies could pick it up and back pass it? Yeah. When they took that away, again, changed the whole dynamic of football. Um, VAR is changing the dynamic of football at the top level. Um, but this is a fundamental part of the game. This is, this. It, it, it's, it's, it will be, like I say, the biggest change. Like, you've got to imagine... What will what will go out the game? Potential crosses, um, free kicks, corners. I mean, direct play from free kicks, corners, Playing goal styles. kicks and throw-ins. Um, it will put a huge emphasis on aerial control, mm-hmm. um, chest control, thigh control, um, protection when controlling out the air. You know, um, will it make players more skillful? One hundred percent. You know, there'll be it would increase the number of passes, increase the number of touches. The game would become a bit more, a bit more like chess. Sean Dyke would be out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Burnley squad would be out of a job, and the West Brom squad. Um, <laughs> honestly, it will be the biggest change. There'll be a lot of 
footballers that won't be footballers because footballers master heading. They're the centre backs, strikers. Imagine, imagine, imagine someone like Andy Carroll or Peter Crouch surviving in the game without heading. It, it is a really, really interesting topic to think about. Obviously, like, like it you will said, happen. It, it will happen. Yeah, no, I think it will. It will. Like you said, obviously, the, the safety of, of the players should come first. So it is the correct thing to be doing a lot more research into it. Um, but it, it just is. It, like, like we said then, it's it's a fundamental of the game. So it would be a complete change. You know, it become football would almost become a little bit more futsal-based, wouldn't it? I was about to say that. Yeah, it, it, it will. It will. Um, I'd, listen, until it comes, you can't make any prediction, predictions or know what it's going to be like. But um, I don't know whether I'm for or against it yet. I've made my mind up. Well, it's a uh, it's an interesting topic to to leave the to finish the podcast on. It's uh, lots of for people to think about. But um, we finished another one there, mate. So just want to wish obviously everybody a uh, very happy new year for two thousand and twenty twenty one. Um, and thank you all for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kieran.